Well, good morning to each of you. It's a privilege to be with you this morning, to worship with you, to break bread, to bring the word and open the word with you, to wor- and to sing. Thank you for your prayers for us. We've been, our family has been through some sickness. We still have one at home that's that's dealing with it. So thank you for your prayers. I know this has been difficult for many here, and, and uh, the Lord is working it all out for our good, as Brother Glenn said. It is, it is part of life, but he's working it out for good. I invite you to open your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Lord, this morning as we come before you, we ask for your spirit to move in our hearts to do that work which no man can do, the opening of our hearts to receive your truth. And we ask, Lord, for the application of your word in our lives. Lord, as we seek your face in obedience to you, I pray that your name would be glorified through us and that you would be able to meet our needs. We are needy people and we come to you desiring your help, Lord. Just open this passage, I pray, for us this morning by your spirit, by your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this passage again, I I want to uh, remind you that um, we are in the part of Ephesians where he's past talking about doctrine. He's past talking so much about uh, giving us the will of God for the church as he's now into personal application. And he goes to the home. And these, this passage deals in brief with the home. We're going to isolate verse 4. And we've already spoken on the first part of verse 4. And the title of this message is The Gospel in Our Homes. This is part 4, I believe, of the gospel in our homes. And uh, the gospel in our homes is that which uh, it, it prepares on the next generation to know God personally. The gospel in our homes prepares the next generation to know God personally. For all of us who are married, our marriage is not just about us. God has so designed that out of that marriage comes the next generation, comes little ones who will then take on life 
and take on the things of life. And by God's grace, we'll take up following the Lord, walking with him, knowing him. And that's what this is about. This morning, if the gospel has come into your life and if Christ has done a work of transformation in your life, as you come to the place where you are a parent, if you're not a parent, or if you are a parent today, or if you are thinking about being a parent, the next generation will be on your heart in some form or fashion. Even if you're in a place where you will never have children, the next generation influencing those who are coming behind you will always be something that God will move in your heart to do. And he will work by his gospel to allow you to proclaim the gospel to the next generation. Uh, This specifically speaks on how we are to conduct ourselves, how the gospel is lived out in the lives of God's children. And when the gospel is lived out in the lives of God's children, our little ones come along and they know it. They know it, they see it, they hear it, they sense it, they understand that the gospel has gotten a hold of daddy and mama. And brothers and sisters, that needs to happen. That really needs to happen with us. It starts right here. And I'll go to the grandpas. It needs to start with grandpas. This this passage comes after... There was a great, uh, well, as the prophet said in Malachi, he said, I'm sending my messenger before my face to prepare the way of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Why did the prophet say that as the last verse in the Old Testament? Brothers and sisters, it was simply because for generations the people had wandered away from the Lord. They didn't know the Lord. And so when one generation wandered away from the Lord, they just influenced the next generation to go further. And they influenced the next generation to go further. And what, is, and what, ha- what was happening in the meantime is that fathers and children were turned against each other. Fathers did not love their children as they were called to love their children. God wants our homes to be a picture. A picture of what his church is to be. A place where love abounds. A place where he is in charge. A place where his truth is made known. A place where he will be glorified and lifted up. And when that is so, our children grow up knowing what it means to follow God. To effectively pass on the gospel to our children, the gospel must affect us. To effectively pass on the gospel to our children, the gospel must affect us. How are you going to teach your children something that has never taken hold of your life? How are you going to pass on what you don't have? It's impossibility. So 
this morning, our children will understand God's word by seeing, hearing, and experiencing God at work in our lives. When God works on this man, then our children, then my children can understand something about God. But if I refuse and I reject the voice of God and the work of God, and I push my children away from me, and I despise the little ones, then make no mistake, the children don't want that kind of gospel. They won't be drawn to it. They won't desire it. There's no proof there that God is at work. May the gospel of Jesus Christ be so unmistakably clear in our hearts and in our lives today, friends, that the next generation is convinced of its truth. Does, is Jesus the Savior of sinners or is he not? May the gospel so be clarified in our lives that our children know that Jesus is the Savior of sinners. With that, he says here in verse 4, Fathers, and this word fathers is used, the Greek word is also used to mean fathers and mothers. Uh, there's another place in, the, in, in Hebrews where it talks about the father and mother of Moses, and the same Greek word is used as the word father here. So, He's speaking in general, in general terms. I don't think it's, it, it is to fathers, but it is also to mothers. But let's, that doesn't change the meaning. He says, do not provoke your children to wrath. We spent some time on this, and I want to go to the next part of the passage where it says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We want to first look at bringing them up. What does it mean to bring them up? The Greek word, Bringing them up means, means the whole total of nurturing, educating, and training. It is the, the whole duty of parents for their children. And, and believe me, there are ungodly parents, parents that do not believe in God, that bring their children up. There are people out here that I meet every day. They're not necessarily professing believers. But they do love their children. And they're bringing them up. They, they feed them. They clothe them. They have a good place to stay. There's, there's, there's love there to a degree. And so, at the minimum, we are not to be pushing our children away. There are plenty of, children, of parents out there, though, who are pushing their children away. They're neglecting their children. They're not giving their children what they need. There are parents out there who are shooting up on drugs while their children are starving in the back seat of the car. And friends, it is because as a nation we have turned away from the Lord. And children are suffering the brunt of our turning away from the Lord. And what the apostle is saying is, in opposition to you fathers provoking your children to wrath. I want you to bring them up. And, and I want you to bring them up not just 
to be good citizens, not just to be hard workers, not just to be good people in our eyes, but in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The nurture and admonition of the Lord goes beyond the natural duty of a parent. It steps and stands on the shoulders and reaches higher and says, we're going to go beyond just teaching them how to work. We're going to give them an understanding of what God wants them to do with their work. In Luke chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, you don't have to turn there, I will read it for you. And he turned, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Just talking about John the Baptist. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Luke here tells us that John the Baptist was prophesied, it was told of him that he's going to go and he's going to preach. And what did he preach? Can somebody tell me, what did John preach? Repentance, thank you. Turn from your sins, turn from your evil ways, turn to the Lord. And this, and this turning to the Lord was going to, at the same time, turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And brothers and sisters, I know that from experience. I know that when my heart got turned to the Lord, my heart got turned to my children. Raising children is a hard job. It takes everything out of us. And if we're carnal people, We will selfishly hate our children because they take away our freedoms. They take away, it takes money, it takes time, it takes hard work. And children in today's society interfere with the life that people want to live. Listen, if God gets a hold of your heart, He's going to turn your heart to your children. In fact, as this verse says, this is how children are turned from disobedience to the wisdom that God gives to the righteous. Notice he says that, and the, that he's not only going to turn the hearts of the, of the fathers to the children, but the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Why is there such a blatant disobedience to the Word of God today. It starts in the home. It starts in the home. There's no regard for God in our homes in America today. And we have, we have our children grow up thinking disobedience is normal. Our children grow up thinking foolishness is fun. Our children grow up thinking that all the wrong things are the cool things. Why is it? It's because the fathers have turned their hearts from the Lord. We can't blame our young people. We've got to start right here. 
God's plan for you and I to bring our children up, not reject them. You know, I can still remember one of my cousins telling me, we lived right next door to my grandfather, and he said, I envy you living next door to him. When he comes and visits us, he always wants me to come along with him and do things with him. He takes me fishing. He said, my grandfather on the other side wants me to get out of his way. And I'll never forget the look on his face when he said that. Now, brothers and sisters, our children know if they're in our way or if we're bringing them up with us. We should have the attitude with our children that we're raising adults. We're raising adults. We can't expect them to do everything an adult does, but we're aiming at them being an adult. And we want them to come with us because we want to show them how to be an adult. We want to show them how and teach them how and train them how to live as a godly adult should live. So I ask you this morning, parents, how are you relating to your children? How do you relate to your children? Do you long to bring them to God with you? Do you long that at the end of the day, when the judge of all the earth, before whom you will stand, will ask you, where are your children? Are you bringing them with you? Are your children afraid of the God you serve? Or do your children not even care about the God you serve? One's as wrong as the other. See, if we don't bring them up, they won't want our God. If we don't bring them along, if we don't invite them to us, In fact, in Mark chapter 10, I want to read a passage of scripture here. In Mark chapter 10. Verse 13. <clears throat> this is an eye-opening passage of scripture. And it's a beautiful passage, by the way. Verse 13, they brought the little children to him, to Jesus, that is, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But Jesus, when he saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He took them up in his arms he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. I don't know about you parents, but I, I believe with all my heart we need the attitude toward our children that Jesus had to our children. The disciples said, get these children out of here. They're, they're in the way. We, we can't have them here. 
What did Jesus say? You know, in verse 14, notice what he says. He saw it, he was greatly displeased. This upset our Lord, that you would push the little children back and not give them a time with our Lord. He said, no, bring the children here. He had, a, he had a compassion for the children. In fact, he said, let the little children come to me, forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is filled with little children. Not only is the kingdom of God filled with little children, but everyone who will come to the kingdom of God must be childlike in receiving the kingdom of God. He must come with a total dependence, needing Christ and needing Christ alone. Our problem is we come with our stuff. We come with all the things we have. We have our own righteousness. We're pretty good people in our eyes. When we come to Christ, we come empty without anything else, but we need Him. Even as the child becomes old enough to exercise saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his attitude must be that of total dependence upon Christ, or he will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to notice something else in this passage. <clears throat> Verse 16. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. Do you notice how Jesus took the little children? He pulled them close and he blessed them. As parents, our attitude toward our children must be to pull them close. And bless them. Blessing, in fact, was a huge part of Jewish culture. Blessing was a part, such a part of Jewish culture that it was it was considered uh, irresponsible of a parent if at some point they didn't have a blessing for their children. They they did this because God is a blessing God. God has blessed them. In fact, when you go to, uh, in Numbers, when, when Aaron and his priests were chosen to be priests of the Lord, Aaron and his sons were chosen to be priests of the Lord, he says, he says there, say to Aaron, the Lord bless you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. You see, as parents, our overarching attitude needs to be one that we just reflect the blessing of God upon our children. If they're going to know God, they need to know that He's a blessing God. That He loves to bless His children. Jesus says in another place, He says, if your son is hungry and he asks for a fish, you're going to give him a scorpion? Or you, if he asks for something else, you're going to give him a snake? I mean, are you not good enough to give your children good gifts? 
Even so, the Heavenly Father is good enough to give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him and need it. You see, we are just, we are only good to our children because God has been good to us. That is how we bless our children. I want to ask you this morning, parents, what are your children experiencing from you? What do they get from you? Are you blessing your children? I don't mean that you have to do some formal blessing, though there's nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely good. But do you receive them to yourself and do you share with them the blessing that God has given you? Do you turn your face of approval upon them? Are you willing to take the time Put forth the effort to bless your children. Well, not only, point two, must we bring up our children, but we must bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. We're going to start with nurture. The meaning of nurture is, the, word, the word, Greek word is paideia, and it means to train or to train and educate. It's a word of action in our training. It means to actively provide for the training and education of our children. To nurture them in the Lord means that they go beyond that we go beyond training in our in what we do. We but we teach, we train them to to do it to do what they do as unto the Lord. Recognizing that there's somebody over us yet. They're not doing this just to please me. But they're doing this because God stands above the parent and is wanting to teach them the right way. Children don't come to us as little angels. They come to us with a wicked heart. With a heart that all of us have had. That turns away from God. You leave a child to himself. And he'll destroy himself. But when, when he get, God gives children to parents. That's what he intended. And you and I as parents. Are to bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. We're to provide for. Them in such a way. That they learn how to live life. Without destroying themselves. Ultimately, that they learn, they go beyond just knowing how to live life, but that they live life for the glory of God. And that's what this means. In fact, this word train literally means it's related to what it sounds like. Children, when you see a train and it's going along, what is it setting on? Tracks. Thank you. That's exactly right. Train sets on tracks. And when you train your children, you are literally laying down tracks in their lives. You are confining their way to a certain path. It is, it is saying this is the path upon which you must go to be right with God. This is where you go to live for God. This is what God asks 
of us to, to train you in. There are so many ways out here that children can go. And when children are left to themselves, they become little monsters. They become self-destructive and destroy others. And so, brothers and sisters, it is incumbent upon us as parents to put the tracks down in our children's lives and say, here's where we're going to go. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 10. Deuteronomy 10. Beginning in verse 12. Verses 12 and 13. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you this day for your good. You see, you understand here that the first thing God asks of Israel is to fear the Lord. If you're going to lay down the tracks for your children's lives, number one, you must fear the God who gave you His law upon which your children must abide. If you do not and I do not fear the Lord and walk in His ways, how are we going to teach and train our children to walk in His ways? You see, our reverence for God is what the children pick up on. Irreverence for God Brings a disdain for God. But brothers and sisters, if we will not reverence God, we cannot expect that our children will pick this up from us and reverence God from us. In fact, it takes a work of Christ to bring that about in our lives. And I'm not teaching here that if you train your children right, you will train them into the kingdom of heaven. I want you to know that is not true. God must work in our hearts every one of us individually to bring us into the kingdom of heaven. What we do is put them on the path that God has told us to put them on because he has said these are, these are the things that he does in their lives to bring them to himself. So the fear of God is not being scared of him. It's not running away from him and hiding from him as Adam and Eve did in the garden. The fear of God Verses 12 and 13 here is that we reverence him for he, for who he is, and that because, because of that fear, we respectfully love him and we seek to obey his commandments. And this is his prescribed way. We do it with a single heart, with a heart that is, that is only worshiping him. We give him, him only this one place of our total and complete allegiance. Listen, I want to tell you, the, God told the children of Israel this when everybody else around them was doing exactly the opposite. He gave them this commandment when everybody else was going to hell in a handbasket. He gave them this commandment when, children, when, when, when the heathens around them 
were living to the lusts of their flesh. He, get, he, did, he gave them this commandment when the heathens were sacrificing their children because they felt like their children were a nuisance. Listen, we must fear the God who gave us the word by which we walk. We must fear Him. We must reverence Him. This is His prescribed way. And we can only provide for our children as we receive from His Word. We're only going to be effective as godly parents as we fear God ourselves. The effectiveness of our nurturing in the Lord will be according to our fear in the Lord, of the Lord. You see, when you fear the Lord, you will not fear man. When you fear the Lord, you will not care what man will do to you. It will not matter in the end if your child wants to be disobedient and rebellious. You're going to feel the Lord and you're going to to lay down these tracks in his life or her life for them to also fear the Lord. Submission to the Lord in all things will make us strong in our desire to bring our children up for him. Well, not only must we fear the Lord, but we must trust God. We must trust Him. And this trust is a confidence that in Him, a dependence upon Him, that we're not going our own way, but we're going His way. Our children need to understand that not only do we fear God, but we trust Him. We're, we're, we're putting all our, our savings in His bank. We're, 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 we're laying all, we're putting all our eggs in his basket. Everything that we have is dependent upon him. And, and, and here in America, we have jobs, we have businesses, things come, money comes, money goes, everything's kind of automatic. And we forget. It's actually the Lord that provides. It's the Lord that gives us this provision and everything we have depends on him. Turn with me to Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. We're going to bring our children up in the nurture of the Lord. Then here is something we need. Trust in the Lord, verse 5, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. This confident trust is not cockiness. But it's a confidence It's knowing that I can depend upon the Lord to give us everything we need to bring our children up for His glory. Now we notice verse 5. We are to know that our own thinking is not what we lean on. It will not cause our own thinking, our own way, 
will not, call, will not give us what we need to live out God's way. Our way is going to destroy us. And by the way, isn't that what we want to, to, to show our children? If you're just going to take your own way all the time, you will destroy yourself. It will bring, it will bring destruction into your life. You'll pay a heavy, hard price for not following the Lord, for not trusting Him, not saying, Lord, I put all my eggs in your basket. I will put everything I have upon you. When our lives are turned over to His direction alone, then we're going to be able to follow Him without fear and without doubt. When our lives are turned over to His direction alone, then it removes the doubt and it removes the fear. Because it's not, there's a sense in which this is not my problem anymore. It's His. I've completely given it all over to Him. I'm willing to accept His way. Lord, just tell me whatever you want to tell me, and I'll do it. And that's when we go to the Word of God and we start saying, God, what do you actually say about this? What are you actually wanting me to do here? How do you actually want me to think here? How do you want me to raise my children? You see, we go back to what God says. We can only help our children to trust in the Lord and turn from their own evil ways when we are trusting in the Lord and not leaning on our ways. We're only going to be able to teach our children to trust in the Lord and not take their evil way when we're trusting in the Lord and not leaning on ourselves. That means there's times we don't know what we're going to do. But we're going to trust the Lord. There's times I don't know what to say. I'm going to let the Lord speak. There's times I don't know what I'm going to do with this situation. God must answer. And if we have the faith that He calls us to have in Himself, then we will find that our children will come to understand what it means to trust in the Lord. Sometimes God takes families through poverty. Difficult times where we don't know where the next, how we're going to live in this place. How are we going to make the rent payment or how are we going to make the house payment or how are we going to pay for groceries? He wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him and when our children grow up knowing that dad and mom trust the Lord for these things. It's not just a game they're playing with the economy. But they're trusting the Lord. It changes their mind about what God has to say. When everything you have depends on Him, you pay attention. You pay attention. Well, thirdly, we must not, not only this, but we must appreciate God's discipline in our lives. We're going to stay here in the, th in the third chapter of Proverbs. We're going to go to verse 13. Verse 13. 
Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the, proceeds, than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you, can, you may desire cannot be compared with her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches in honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. I don't think I have the right passage. I'm sorry, it's beginning verse 11. That's, that's the, let's, let's go back to verse 11. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Notice the wisdom we read about how, how, how wonderful it is. It is more to be desired than gold. And yet, how did we get, how do we get that wisdom? Well, discipline is simply God laying down tracks in our lives and holding us onto those tracks. Even when we don't want to be there, He holds us to those tracks. And when we want to jump off the tracks, He disciplines us to bring us back to the right way. You see, discipline, chastening of the Lord, it says don't detest it, don't despise it. If your children are not going to despise your chastening, when you have to discipline them, you must also not despise the discipline of the Lord. The Lord is going to discipline every one of His children because He has a way for His children to prosper. He has a way for His children to be successful with Him in this life. And I want to ask you this morning, who are you living for? You living for, for one man, one per, I mean, I'm sorry, one person, one God? Are you living to please the multitude of people around you that want to give you their approval when you do what they want you to do? There's, there's a huge difference. If you live for the approval of God, all this is just chatter out here. It doesn't matter. But if you're going to pay attention and be affected by the approval of men, then you're going to find yourself not being under the approval of God. It's just the way it works. And God says He's going to correct, He's going to chasten, He's going to discipline every one of His children so that He can give them His approval. He's going to bring them to a place where He can approve of their lives. And by doing so, he gives them understanding. He gives them wisdom. And this wisdom is far greater than the money you can make out there. This wisdom will keep you when the world goes down. This wisdom will keep you when everything else is flat. God founded the world by his wisdom. And it will stand the test of time in eternity. This is the track you want to put your children on. And brothers and sisters, this is the track you must be on. And if we are going to be a child of God who raises our children in the admonition of the Lord, then brothers and sisters, we must be willing to accept His training and discipline upon our lives.
We need God's approval. In fact, the blessing of Aaron comes in here. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. The Hebrew greeting is shalom. It's peace. And the word peace for them means wholeness and wellness as well as an absence of strife. They believe that when God looks upon you and His countenance shines upon you, then things are right. That's when things are going well. And they experienced in the land of Israel that when God's blessing was upon them, they prospered. But when God's face turned away from them, things were terrible. And God says, if you will follow me, I will bless you. If you won't follow me, the same things that blessed you are going to come back and curse you. In Christ, we have the assurance that He will lead us and guide us. But, you know, He uses the same thing as He teaches us and trains us in Christ. When we go against the will of God, what happens? Discipline. We receive a little bit of the curse of God upon our lives. He doesn't reject us. But we understand that there's a reason for His calling us to live this life. We get a little bit of the pain in advance. And brothers and sisters, if God disciplines you here and gives you a little bit of a pain for the things that you've, for the track you've been on, count it all joy. Because He's pulling you back to the right place. And if He pulls you back to repentance and dependence upon Him, He spared your soul from eternal pain, from eternal damnation. In fact, that's what we want to do with our children. We want to spare them from the pit of hell. In fact, that's what Proverbs says, that if you discipline your son, you save his soul from hell. That's not beating your son. That's not abusing your son. It's proper, loving, discipline to put him on the track of God's grace. You see, this, this, this thing of abuse it, it is, has turned many people against the use of discipline in the home. But it's God's way, friend. God doesn't doesn't have any other method that He tells us to use. He says if you spare the rod, you hate your son. Literally, He says that, and what He means there is that if you withhold disciplining your children, they will have the effects of their life the same as the one who hates his children. And it's because you didn't put them, you didn't take them out of the path of their own way. In fact, he says, discipline your son early. Get it, get to it. Don't let this thing build up where there's where there's a constant conflict, but deal with it and get things in the clear. In fact, he says in Proverbs that he will give your soul 
rest. I believe, friends, that when we're training our children and we have to discipline our children, it gives the child rest when the discipline is effective, but it gives the parent rest. If my child is, is being rebellious and disobedient and I don't discipline him, what happens? Tomorrow I've got a bigger problem. And it grows every day. And by the time this child is ready to go on their own, the law has to come into, into effect. These are the people that are sitting in prisons, friends. These are the people that are constantly in trouble with the law. Our parents that refused to discipline. And we must learn to appreciate the fact that God gives us a little pain here to save us from hell. And so that's what we want for our child. Yes, we have to use. We have to inflict a little pain. It's not abuse. It's not beating your child up. I don't want to give that. God says you use a rod. A rod is not a club. A rod is not your hand. A rod is an instrument whereby you inflict pain without doing permanent damage. And you bring that discipline upon your child when, he, when they are young. And the idea really is that you discipline when they're young so that when they're old, they've learned the lesson and forgotten the pain. The pain is for right here and right now to turn you back onto the track. You may remember that back there you got disciplined. But we all need it. We all need to be turned to the right way. And friends, these lessons need to hit the parents. And the parents need to be aware that the same thing that is going on with them is what's happening to their child. To narrow up our child's way. To confine their way to the truth. Is not depriving him of good. But it's putting him on the path where he can learn what it means to be saved from destruction. Are you narrowing up your children's way this morning in order to teach them God's ways? We haven't even gotten to the admonition yet, and I'm going to save that for another Sunday. But admonition stands on the shoulders of Nurturing. Teaching stands on the shoulders of training. Training provides the atmosphere. It provides the place. It lays down the tracks so that teaching can happen. Are you narrowing up your children's way because you are concerned about their souls? Or are you just ready to get them out from under your feet? For a while. People have entertainment for their children. And I don't I don't say that all entertainment is wrong. But if you have to always entertain just to keep your child quiet, something's wrong. Something's wrong. 
Your, your child must learn the ways of God. And that those ways of God will teach him to be, to be submissive to his parents. Are you willing to discipline your children God's way? Well, the world hates God's way. And while they hate it, we must embrace it and walk in it. This is what God wants for us. He doesn't tell us that there's any other way that we can do this. You're not going to sweet talk your two-year-old into leaving the cookies alone if there's no discipline behind it. You're not going to sweet talk your six-year-old into doing his chores if there's no discipline there. If you won't train them, the world will. The world will be happy to take them. And the world will destroy them. These children will bring sorrow and grief to their parents, is what the scripture says. A son that receives and learns from the chastening of the Lord brings joy to his parents. But one who is allowed to go his own way is a grief to his parents. I want to ask you this morning, will you commit yourself to walk God's way and to train the next generation to walk with you? And by God's grace, when, I'm, when we're gone, this generation is gone. May the next generation rise up and walk with God and lead another generation to walk with Him. That's my heart. May God give you each one of us grace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I want to thank you for the times in which you have disciplined us. The times you have brought us back to the path of your approval and your favor. Times when you've shown us the error of our way. Lord, I just pray that you would bless each parent here. That they may take this to heart, Lord, that you're, they may be encouraged that, Lord, they are not alone, but you stand right with them. And that while you are working in them, you are giving them strength to work with their children. I pray, Father, give each parent courage to lay down the tracks of truth and righteousness in their children's lives. You have promised that these tracks are, are going to affect them as they grow older. And that if we train them up the way of the Lord, that our children, they will never leave. Those things will never leave them. 
Lord, we just ask for our children today. We ask for your blessing and your approval upon their lives. We ask, Lord, that you would be with them and that they may know the, your blessing through us. That, Lord, even though we must discipline at times and we must correct at times, yet, Lord, that they would know that they are our children and we love them and we bless them. Lord, may your countenance continue to be with us and give us wholeness and peace as, this, as you have promised you will do. We thank you for the Son, who is, who is the Son of peace, who has given us all that we need to be your children to walk with you. Thank you for your love for us. Amen. Thank you. May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed.